and here's what I learned at Disney when they really looked at like the length of a line, right? Because they're trying to make the best experience. And they knew that right here, someone was going to have to stay in an hour from here to there. And they figured that out. And so they inputted an experience, which was like they knew a character came. That was all planned. Or there was something like in the line that was on the wall, you know, that the family could sit and talk about. They embedded those touch points. That's what these processes need to have. They have to have embedded touch points that make someone feel good about moving on to the next step. Hi, and welcome to Building Perspective with Matt Riley and Molly Elfman. We're here to bring value to you and your team by exploring all things sales and marketing related. All from different perspectives. Today, our focus discussion of the week is shortening the buying cycle with our guest, Carrie Mulcrone. But first, let's dive into our top topics of the week. So I'm going to go ahead and go first. Um, this week is actually the Housing Giants Leadership Conference. And because we have a lot of builders and friends who are there, um, I looked up what was going on at the conference. And this year's conference is focused on sustainable profitability, which of course is always really important to all of us within the industry, whether we're builders or associate members in the housing industry. Um, and really, the, the, it looks like all the speakers are really touching on with increased costs, like with labor and material and um, other ways that costs are going up, how, how do we maintain or increase the margins um, using more efficient processes? And that word process always grabs my attention because we, I am, people are sometimes surprised that I am all about process and having things down on paper. And it made me think about a few years ago, some of the team at Group 2 at the time, which was much smaller, came to me and they said, we are having a hard time because things change all the time. And it seems like we're just constantly changing and it can keep, it can be hard to keep up with that. And I will never forget, I, I had this like gut reaction of, yeah, you're right. We will never, ever not be changing. And it just, you know, the fact that the Housing Giants Conference is focusing on that process, um, it really made me think about that and how all of us, when we accept the fact that we are always, always changing and we should always be improving our process, um, it's going to make us all better. And professionally, it'll... Um, you know, make us better, but also personally, just accepting the fact that we should always be changing and improving and um, and bettering ourselves. So I just wanted to share that. And I am looking forward to hearing about the conference from all of our friends who are there. And um, I'm sad we couldn't be there this year, but uh, I, I think that there's going to be some good information coming out of it. Yeah, that's always a really good conference. I've, I've always heard great things. I've actually never attended that one. It was just weird timing for me every year was 
just had a ton going on. And this year, both my boys' birthdays are this week. So Hayden, my nine-year-old, turns 10 tomorrow. And then Nolan, my 12-year-old, turns 13 on Sunday. So uh, fun stuff there. So yes, um, I agree. And so those processes, we'll get. I think we might be diving into that a little bit with Carrie and talking about how processes can play a big part into shortening the sales cycle with the buyers, but also making it a really fun, enjoyable process. Yeah. And I think so, processes are never done. You know, you want to always be improving them. So even though you have it on paper, it's an editable document. <laughs> yeah, for sure. All right. So I've got one little quick nerdy thing just because I think it's neat. And then I'm just going to have a little fun story just to share because it leads right into to Carrie stuff because, you know, whenever, if you know Carrie Mel Crone, I just equate any conversation I have with her, just a, a fun conversation. So we're going to keep this week's top topic of the week for me pretty light and, uh, and fun. But so I did see this though. Google just launched a new, cause they just went through their whole new phone launch like Apple does and Samsung and everybody does every year, but they just rolled out a new recorder app, which I think it's right now it's only available on their pixel device. Um, so if you're an Android slash Google user, you should check this out. Um, but I'm sure they'll be pushing it out for iOS as well, but it's going to, it's a new recorder app that uses, um, speech recognition and AI. AI to help you transcribe lectures, meetings, anything like that. So you just essentially be able to hit record and set it on the table and it'll transcribe all your notes, uh, all your voice to notes into text. And so that way the whole meeting, the whole whatever it was is searchable. So I think that's a really cool tool and it's really nerdy, but I can't help it. I like that stuff. <laughs> uh, my other fun, my other story um, is this. So I am bad about if something small happens in the middle of the night and I get woken up, like I always get woken up in the, like when I'm in my like deep sleep. So like between like 12 and say 2 AM, if I get woken up. Um, so I had rewind a little bit. So I had, you know, have my little, um, trimmer, you know, for facial hair and all that kind of stuff. And so I cleaned it out yesterday and like normal, and I guess I got too much water down in the thing and it starts like randomly turning on, just randomly turning on this buzzing sound. And so it happened in the middle of the day yesterday. I finally I got it to stop. Water getting in there would make it do that. It sounds like the thing is possessed. It's probably just possessed. <laughs> uh, so uh, we go to bed last night and Amy, my wife even mentioned, she's like, I hope that stupid trimmer doesn't like, go bonkers in the middle of the night because it's sitting sitting on the bathroom counter. And uh, I was like, oh, I hadn't done it. I got it to stop. hadn't done it. Well, fast forward like one o'clock in the morning and this thing starts going crazy <laughs> in the bathroom. Amy, she wakes me up and she's like, hey, the, the trimmer. She immediately wakes up and knows exactly what it is and says the trimmer in the bathroom is going off, like smacking me, like go fix it. And I'm like out of it. I wake up. Apparently... I apparently I wake up, sit up in the bed and turn the TV on. <laughs> she She's like, what the hell are you doing? And I'm like, I don't know. And I go in the bathroom and I get the trimmer and I can't, and I'm in there like banging it on the counter and I can't get it to stop. And she says, I walk back into our bedroom and sit down on the bed with the trimmer in my hand while it's buzzing. And I'm messing with my alarm clock. And she's like, what are you doing? And apparently I say that I'm turning off my alarm clock. I have no idea why. 
<laughs> she's like, get out. And so finally I, I like stumble downstairs, <laughs> stumble downstairs and I'm downstairs apparently for a while. And she's like, where is he? And she comes walking down the stairs. And then I like come stumbling out of the half bath on the first floor with this razor in my hand. I have no idea why I was in the bathroom. I was just in there and I was like out of it, completely out of it. And well, how'd you uh, get the thing to shut off? <laughs> we we wrapped it up in a towel and oh like stuffed God. it under a couch cushion on okay, the first time floor. for a new razor. <laughs> so this morning on the way back from the gym, I stopped at Target and bought a new razor. And you yeah. threw it in the trash and you're probably going to terrify the trash guys when they do your pickup. Because... Hopefully the battery is run out by that point. <laughs> oh, so yeah, that happened. So we were, we were on vacation a couple of years ago and uh, we were in Florida and on the sliding glass doors going out to the pool, we rented a house and you know, all of us have like an little alarm on the door. So if it stays open too long because the pool's out there, it starts beeping at you. Well, I guess the sensor on the door in the middle of the night went bad and the thing starts beeping and everybody like, I try to get up and he's like, go fix the alarm. And apparently I like walk into the closet in the, in the bedroom that we're standing, that we're staying in. And she has no idea where I am. She goes downstairs and fixes the alarm, comes back upstairs and I come walking out. She's like, what are you doing? And apparently I was stuck in the closet. I couldn't figure out how to get out. You're a sleepwalker, aren't you? I, only if I'm like woken up, start like startled in the middle of the night. <laughs> <laughs> I've never, it's it's just anyway, that's my funny I'm going to ask Amy to, to record it next time. <laughs> <laughs> she gets so mad when that happens. <laughs> I don't blame her, I guess. Okay. All right. So that's enough of uh, making fun of Matt time. <clears throat> I think we'll right. do a little more. We'll see. <laughs> we'll see. We'll see how that goes. All right. All right. We're going to take a quick break and we come right back. We are going to dive into our focus discussion of the week this week with our guest, Carrie Mulcrone, and we're going to discuss shortening the sales cycle. So stay tuned. We'll be right back with Carrie. All right, and we are back, and we are going to dive into our focus discussion of the week this week, and we have Carrie Mulcrone with us this week, and she is going to be talking about shortening the sales cycle, something that's near and dear to our hearts, and something that we focus on all the time, and uh, Carrie's going to chat with Molly and I this week about how to shorten the sales cycle and what that looks like, really what that is. So welcome to the show, Carrie. Thank you so much for coming on. Hey, Matt and Molly, I'm glad to be here. So we, well, we see that behind you, let's just start first. We see that behind you, you've got some photos of your beautiful grandkids behind you. Who, who is that behind you? Well, besides they are like my heartbeat and keep me going and while I'm still working and all of that good stuff, that's Cade and Ella. Cade is six and Ella is the wonderful age of 13. Oh boy. I can't believe she's 13. Oh my goodness. I know. Remember Molly? That's she like was a baby. Scary. Yeah. It's crazy. No different than when I see Zach in a picture and I go, what? I know. It's so weird. <laughs> uh, well, so my, both my boys, so my son who's nine, he'll be 10 tomorrow. And then my 12 year old will be 13 
on Sunday. So I've got a 13 year old joining. Oh, the wow. Yeah. So their brain will, his brain will come back to him in about 10 years. <laughs> yeah, that's right. <laughs> All right. All right. Well, Carrie, let's start in case uh, anybody watching slash listening to this um, has been living under a rock in our industry and they may not know who you are or what you do. Let's just start. Tell everybody a little bit about you and what you do and kind of how you got started in this industry. Dang. How long do you have? <laughs> well, you know, when you're one of those people that you'll decide what you want to be when you grow up and turning 65 go Medicare in December. I still don't know. <laughs> uh, okay. It all began once upon a time, tell you a little story. Um, so I have a master's in education and I was teaching fifth grade and the year was 1986 built a home. The builder came to me and said, you sell more homes from your driveway than anybody I put in the model. It's a new neighborhood. And I think he just meant that I had a big mouth. <laughs> and so I said, he asked me if I'd be a hostess in the models on the weekends. I said, yes. I then took a year of leave from teaching. I never went back to teaching. And I sat on site for 18 years and also managed while I was doing that, then went into the sales management, VP of sales and marketing, downturn, everybody. I highly recommend that you put your show on the road when builders have no money, because that's what I did. I started my company when I was a line item that said no. And I had to find a way to make them say yes. And the rest is history. Here I am working with builders, sales teams, you name it. They need it. I'll do it. I love it. Well, you know, I actually didn't know that you had a master's in education and that you were a teacher. Yeah. I, I actually find that really interesting. I know because in, in specifically in what you do and training people and you really have a true understanding of how people learn Mm -hmm. and what it takes to make sure that they do um, absorb what it is that they're, that they're listening to or, or attempting to learn. So I think that's a, a really interesting thing. I've got a friend of mine who um, he went, he also has a master's in education and he went to be a, a football coach. He was a professional football coach in the uh, arena league for years and uh, you know, helped and was very su successful at it. And then he came back and started coaching high school football. Well, now he's out of teaching and he does sales and sales training B2B. And he's an unbelievable leader and trainer. And he's brought in some inno unbelievably innovative ways to train, but it's because he understands yeah. learning, specifically adult learning and how the human brain works. I think that's a that's that's awesome. Well, you know, I actually love that it was elementary education because I often say here in in the agency, describe it so that a fifth grader would understand it. Yeah. <laughs> and really, when it comes to marketing and sales, you want to simplify the message as much as possible. So um, that is just perfect because you're able to work with teams and really make it something that they can understand and do and and be their you know their teacher and their guide along the way. So I actually knew that already because <laughs> of course you did <laughs> that you were a teacher. So you know, funny thing that you guys would bring that up and kind of draw that around that I find is interesting that I pick up from having because I always tell people that I'm a 
teacher speaker, not a speaker speaker. So when I am speaking, it's kind of like I bring it, I say it, I bring it around, and then I recap it at the end. Um, interesting story, as you guys say that the value of that is yesterday, I think you all know Kevin from Outhouse. Mm -hmm. And we were on a call yesterday and he was working with a team that I work with and he went over how to, how to teach interactive floor plans. And then when he got done, he brought it back around to, so this is what we've done. And if you have any questions with that, blah, blah, blah. And he re recycled what he had said to them in their brains. And that's kind of the thing about like, even we're talking about shortening the sales cycle. I think that's part of what we're talking about today. It's like, so today we have done this. Tomorrow we have this to do. This is what's yet to come. And that's kind of how you shorten. I don't know if it's the learning cycle or the sales cycle, maybe both. What do you think, Matt? I think it is both. I think that um, in order for salespeople to help their customers shorten the sales cycle, they have to learn and understand um, you know, human behavior and why people do what they do. And I think the better understanding and whether it's sales or marketing or anything, the better you can understand human behavior on why people do what they do, um, right. you're going to find more success because people don't want to just have something jammed down their throat, whether it's a marketing message or a sales presentation or whatever it is, they love to buy, but they hate to be sold to. Correct. And I think that goes along with that is people are not afraid to buy. They're just afraid of making a mistake and buying the wrong thing with the wrong person in the wrong place. So if you go to someone's fear, so if we would agree that they're not really afraid to buy, but they're afraid of making a mistake, then that's what tells us that don't keep them in the buying cycle, shopping cycle, like y'all know me, because I think retail, too long. Because all of a sudden they are ready to buy and we are still selling. So we're working to their fear, not their level of excitement. It's a it's in very interesting perspective. I, I agree 100%. Okay, so we talked about, we're talking about the sales cycle like l let's define that first before we completely unpack it. So for you, okay. what do you define? Cause when we were talking about what we were going to talk about, you know, the meeting before the meeting, um, <laughs> I referred to the buying cycle. You said the sales cycle and we were, we were talking about the same thing using different words. And you, you mentioned something that was interesting and you said you referred to it as the spin cycle. Uh, <laughs> so like what l let's, why don't you define when we say the sales cycle, what do you mean? So, you know, if you took the everything that all of us in this industry have honed as a craft and put it together from marketing to get them online, to online, to get them on site from the marketing effort. And you take all the stages of all of us that do, we all just do a piece of all this, right? And that is, the, that is the sales and buying cycle. We, we are learning and holding our craft of how people buy. And when we're learning how they buy and how they shop, more importantly, how they shop, all of that is the sales cycle. And what I'm finding is that we're keeping them in, you know, we've always got the rinse and repeat, right? 
Well, yeah. now we've got them in spin too long that it's like they ask another question, we answer it. They ask another question, we answer it. And they're just spinning with too much information and someone has to stop it and take it to whatever's the next cycle. Let's just call it dry. I don't know, that just came out. But whatever it is, <laughs> whatever it is. We're taking this metaphor all the way through. <laughs> I, I am. And would someone please come and fold my clothes and put them away? <laughs> or tell my husband that the laundry is not done when it's on the couch, laid out when I come home from traveling. Well, I did it. <laughs> I, you did not do it. Oh, anyway, funny. I digress, but I think that we can help pull them out of that spinning cycle and shorten it, and all of a sudden they'll be better for it. So how do we do that? How do you stop that cycle? Ooh, way to go. You weren't in on the meeting that mattered before, <laughs> so way to pull out a question on me. Now you get to tell me. Okay, so how do you pull them out of that spin cycle? I think that you have to break things down into more bite-sized pieces and decide when do they need to know what they need to know or what do they need to know when they need to know it. Sometimes because our buyers are so sophisticated, they're asking us all sorts of questions that don't matter at a certain point in that cycle. It's like you might be handing them off to say your design studio who are much better at personalization and doing all that. So giving them all those answers before they go to contract is keeping them spinning because pull them out and let the next person put them in the next spin cycle. Yeah, we actually come across that a lot in marketing new homes because builders will want to talk about a message that is really a sales message. It's not the message that is going to get people in the door. Yeah. And yeah. a marketing message that is going to get someone into a face-to-face -face meeting or get them to a sales space is totally different than what the salespeople are going to talk about once they're there face-to-face. -face. Yes. So number one question I get, anywhere I go, I've gotten it in three states in three weeks, is that if they, they want to set up a policy that says you don't go to the design studio until you have written your contract. Okay. That's the perfect world. Now what salespeople say is they won't go to the, won't write the contract till they've seen what we have to offer in the design studio. Okay. So hence the spin cycle, because now the wrong person, AKA the salesperson is trying to price things and tell things and do all that. So how do you pull them out of that earlier? If what you're saying is I need the purchase agreement before they get there, because this person needs to know more information. And that's just developing your own systems, but knowing when you pass them off to the next best resource, because we can't be all things to all people. Right. Um, Carrie, we talk a lot about how internal communication and internal processes really do affect the external experience. And that's what you're talking about here is really how your teams internally are communicating and miscommunicating. So that, you know, it leads me back to you as a teacher and how you really work with teams to help them communicate internally for the best customer experience externally over communicating that's really where we send them spinning that we're 
we don't break it down into bite-sized pieces and get closure. You know, there's closure when the marketing arm brings them to the website. And now you've got your online sales counselor working and they can give too much and too little. Too much usually is what I'm finding. And then it's just like the bite-sized pieces. And how do you get concordance that I'm ready to move to the next person? You've been fabulous. Can I have the next fabulous person, please? How do you get that shopping experience where people want that next person? Yes, I agree. And you were talking about before not having the salesperson be the one wrapped up in giving all this information. Let the other expert handle that and making sure that the right processes are in place to allow that to happen. How do you make sure, though, that the sales team, the salesperson, doesn't start to use that as a crutch to Ooh. just instead of actually overcoming an objection and proceeding yeah. forward with the sale and going, oh, well, right. they will need to know all this information. I'm going to kick boot them over here to the design center. So then I'm going to, they're going to be overwhelmed with choice and they're not really at that point yet. Correct. No. And you used a good word as, as a crutch that then what they don't, if you have a salesperson that's saying, this is what they want me to do. This is what our system, this is our process. You have to do this now. So that the person just thinks, okay, I don't feel ready. And I don't really know what I bought. That, that is where you get the person that doesn't feel involved. That's kind of where you go, tell me, show me, involve me, right? So the involve me goes to the person that gets to do the see, touch, and feel. If we're talking about sale to design for just a second for illustrative purposes. So yeah. that is training. And you help them to understand that in your particular company, because all their systems, although they are similar, they're all very different. And it's like, these are the need to knows now. And you need to have your sales team empowered with the experience at the next step. Like even if it's designed to construction, a pre-construction meeting, you know, internally, just like Molly was talking, internal to external, you know, what if your customers knew this and not necessarily more than that, the next jog that they're going to take is going to be great, but you need to know what's too much, what's too little, what's not enough, all of that. Absolutely. I completely agree. And I think that um, is this, we talk about the salesperson having to do these things, but taking it a step up as a sales leader, as a sales manager, um, what are some of the ways that the sales leadership can help a, with processes, what do you see that works best? Um, and B, with the salesperson to make sure that they're utilizing the process, but also that it's not becoming that crutch. Great question. So, we're, so we moved on to how can a sales manager help this, right? So if, we, if, if the individual people, so a sale, an online sales counselor, a salesperson, like the builder doing the pre-construction meeting, if all of that, if they're left to their own devices, they make a determination on what 
they think the, the customer needs and no more, no less. And it's really their opinion, right? So some people get a great experience. Some people get less than because what comes into play there is everybody having a good day or a bad day. The customer comes in having a great day and the builder just had all this warranty or whatever, the design. Now we got a good day meeting a bad day. Without a process and without a system, the customer gets less than a stellar experience. So from the management perspective, when you have like meetings that matter, I call it, and you bring everybody together and they all talk about when someone gets to me in the design studio, if they know this and this and expect this and that, I can do my job the best. So that means back up the bus, go to sales. So this is what I need you to show them, tell them and prepare them for. So basically, if you take all your departments and you break them all down and you empower them so that they all like end up being like a Lego game. I just played this last night with Kate. That's why it was like, no, it wasn't Legos. It was dominoes where they all knocked down <laughs> like the whole freaking floor. <laughs> that if you do that and if you start here and they all just go down at the end of where those dominoes all hit the floor is a happy homeowner. Carrie, a lot of times for the builders that we work with together, we do a path to ownership, which is client facing that talks about all the steps of, of owning a home. And I think what you're saying is there should really also be an internal document that is the internal path for the buyer and showing how each, each um, department or each group within the organization prepares them for the next step. So it sounds like we could take that a little deeper and I, I really like that idea. So I call that mild departments without borders because otherwise everybody has like, not my job. Right. And if you drop down the borders and go that if you don't do your job well, when it gets to the next person, they have to do theirs and a little of yours. Right. If they're not as good at yours as they are at theirs, then again, th those are all those valleys that happen. Um, so to your point, that process document in an internal and external. And it's funny that we're talking about that real quick. I might, you know me, random. Could I ever stay on one subject? No, let's go. So on that, just yesterday, I was working with a builder and I said, can I see your, you know, I like the Candyland game is what I just call it, which is what the process is. And that document that you guys make, because I work off of yours with companies all the time. And I ran into a very complicated one yesterday. And I said, who uses this when it looks like this? Well, because it's in our homeowner manual. It's in our homeowner manual. I'm like, perfect. Uh -oh. That was not my question. Mm. Who uses it? Where is it helpful? Well, it's in our homeowner manual. I said, so here we go. Let's back up just a couple steps. When a buyer comes into a model, when I'm training them, one of the questions that I have them ask is, so you know how many bedrooms, you know the things you want, you know kind of your home site criteria, you know a lot, but can I ask you this question? What do you know about the process of building a home? Or how about if I help you for a second on the process of building a home with us? Rarely does someone say, no, don't tell me that. Cause that's really what they want to know. So I have them take out that one page, that one sheet that you guys do. 
And all that that should be are the simple steps. This builder had a this and then a that. I mean, there was a pay, there was a step on this that said something about litigation if necessary. Ah! <laughs> I'm like, dang, that's wonderful. So the long story of that is, yes, that's a that is a very helpful tool, and it's a handoff internally and externally. And, and what happens when you have it written out like that is it builds trust because it automatically sets you up to be their partner. And we're doing that externally with buyers. And then shouldn't we also be doing that internally with our teams and build that trust internally as well? So, you know, it's, I think it's a really important part of the process. Yeah. What if all of a sudden you do that and someone says, I never knew that that would make it easier I can do that easily. So you get all these aha moments that fall like the dominoes again, bang, bang, bang. And then all of a sudden you're like, you know what? We can take these people out of the spin cycle. And I think that internal process is key, that internal document laying it out because it's really simple to quote unquote, lay down the law and just create a process and go, this is our process. And we're going to make the buyer keyword. We're going to make the buyer if they want to do this and they've got to do this first, and then they have to do this. And then, and it's this. And if you don't have it laid out simply the, in a very similar document, I think that you would actually give a customer yes. and it can't say litigation if needed. Uh, Things but not you, to say in right, sales and marketing. That's right. That's right. But it um, was close to that. Don't quote me. <laughs> right. We already quoted you too late. And nobody knows where I was. Maybe I just made that shit up. <laughs> <laughs> but the thing is, is you've got also have to be very aware that are we easy to do business with, right? You've got to have a framework. Like when we today, we're like, hey, these are the some things that we want to talk about. We had a framework, but we didn't, we don't have a planned discussion of, I'm going to ask you this and you're going to respond like, Hey, this is our subject and this is our framework. And I think that has to happen with any company, not just a, a home builder, but you've got to analyze and go, okay, we have our processes, but does it make it easy to do business with us? Correct. And you know, when you talk about like, even when we did this, how many times when we went back and forth, when you talk about the framework is, I would say to you, does that make sense? Yes, that makes sense. And that makes me think of this. And I'd say, so when you get to that thought, what if, and by doing that interactively and communicating, you are making everyone think of the money that it costs a building company behind the scenes to be having too many people leave their desk to go do something or chase a piece of paper or do that. If the person before them knew, really knew that I'm going to help somebody if I do this versus going back to your word, you have to, and I'm going to make you, and it's part of your performance. That's not, that's not what we're really talking about today. We're really talking about how can we make it happen easier, faster, and better? Yeah. And kind of pulling the whole shortening the sales cycle, we've, we've been jumping around hitting on several different topics, but making sure that the salesperson isn't trying to be the expert in everything, 
be the expert in what they're the expert in and then right. let the other experts as in i.e the design studio let them help the customer pick their colors and their carpet right. and you know all of that kind of stuff and get those get those price estimates together making sure that as a company you've got a framework to work within and I, all of these things in place help the sales team know what where they can move inside of this the parameters with their customer and doing that and making it easy is going to help the buyer feel more at ease and feel like they can continue to move forward. Yes. And, and with that, what you're learning are really fabulous handoffs to each other. And so you're really selling your team because you're selling the next step. And like Molly said, the trust is there because you're raising the level of value to that next person. So they want to get to them versus you can't get to them till you do this. You want them to be doing what they need to do to get to them based on how you build them up. And what's better than building up your team at every step? Yeah. I, I, the, a couple of years, maybe three years ago, I guess I spent, I got to spend a day with Disney um, and we were looking at bringing Disney on as, as my, as my, my home building company maybe four years ago at this point, but we were looking at bringing Disney on and bringing them into our organization and uh, revamping customer satisfaction and customer service and trying to take it to a whole new level. So we got to spend a day with Disney. And one of the things that'll always stick with me, and I think it's really applicable here is they, they, first off, they call everyone cast members. And I think that's- And Imagineers. That's right. But they have essentially this, they drew it out and they call it the dance floor. And so it's the square or rectangular dance floor. And essentially you've got four main rules or guidelines essentially that make up the dance floor, the dance floor. And then everybody can do what they need to do to delight a guest as long as, and they can move anywhere inside that dance floor, as long as, but they just have to stay inside that basic framework. But the end goal is just to delight the guest. Right. So this is really funny, Matt, because now let's find out new things. I studied at Disney Institute because back in the day when I was going to figure out how to do my thing, I studied at Nordstrom's. Yeah. And then... I studied at Disney Institute because I was really customer focused on how do you make it, you know, the customer experience fun because I'm kind of about fun. So I was figuring all that out. And here's the key that I learned from that, which goes to back to everything that we're saying. And when Molly came up with the aha that said, this external customer facing piece should be an internal facing piece is that when you're, when you're moving people around, it needs to be seamless and people don't feel the tracks in like the rides. And here's what I learned at Disney when they really looked at like the length of a line, right? Cause they're trying to make the best experience and they knew that right here, someone was going to have to stay in an hour from here to there. And they figured that out. And so they inputted an experience, which was like, they knew a character came. That was all planned. Or there was something like in the line that was on the wall, you know, that the family could sit and talk about. They embedded those touch points. 
that's what these processes need to have. They have to have embedded touch points that make someone feel good about moving on to the next step. Make them feel good about standing in line for an hour, right? There you go. Think of that. I yeah. kind of want to go to Disney. Should we go? <gasps> now. <laughs> I'm all go. Freak. It would freak you out, Molly, the crowds and all the people. Oh, yeah, I would hate it. <laughs> you would hate it, but your kids would love it. So don't know. them. I'll tell you what. We went talking about the experience and planted. So, so a few years, just three years ago now, we actually did a Disney cruise. And it was one of the best vacations. You got the complete Disney experience, except you didn't have all the craziness of the amusement park. And so this is going to be something that'll stick with us uh, for, for a long, long time, forever. We get there. So, we, and I, I'm talking about this because I think you can relate all of this uh, uh, a, into a building company of your overall experience and shortening the sales cycle. So you talk about the experience. We're all like... Psst, uh, sardines in a can waiting to get on the ship. Everybody's out there, but they start bringing people in one little piece at a time. They stop your family. They take pictures of you before you get on the boat. And then as you're getting on the ship, they announce your family name. You walk into the ship and all the Disney cast members are lined up in like white jackets and white gloves. And they're like applauding you as you come onto the ship. And it's this just magical experience that we waited. We were waiting jammed into the little loading dock area basically but they had these built-in experiences along the way and so we get in or take in our luggage we're just exploring around the like the bottom of the, of the boat there the ship and we go to over to get on the elevator and it's like a golden doors and you hit the button and this is like a tv commercial and the elevator doors open and there stands goofy all on the elevator like as the <laughs> doors just magically open up and i'm like are you freaking kidding me? Like, is this actually happening? But that wasn't an accident, right? Like, no, us you got discovering every Goofy, right? Us discovering Goofy, us personally was an accident, but he was meant to be there at that point. So Matt, listen to this one. Since we now just, we have fully admitted that we're Disney freaks and we drank the Kool-Aid. Yeah. So I took a Disney cruise. My family bagged Christmas one year, no gifts, no anything, save your money. We went on a cruise ship for Christmas and everybody was like, this is going to be horrible. We're going <laughs> to love it, but we're not going to have a Christmas tree, blah, blah, blah. Oh man, best Christmas ever. Oh. But when that happened and you went in and there was the character, right? So when I go back and I do that same thing and I'm training, I tell people that when you are on like your second appointment or whatever appointment where you really think that you have a high potential of writing this purchase agreement, right? Let your neighborhood builder, the construction manager, if he's in the neighborhood, know and have him just magically show up and say, hey, just checking in, everything on all the job sites are all great today. Everybody's happy. Just wanted to let you know. And there sits that buyer going, can I just sign right now? Yeah. They're checking. There's the guy that I want to know. And that's an embedded touch point. 
Absolutely. Is that, um, sorry, Zoe and Daniel are actually actually going to be Minnie and Mickey Mouse for Halloween. So oh. I'm going to have to post a picture. Zoe, who is two, my daughter, she asked Daniel if they could dress up together as Minnie and Mickey. That's awesome. <laughs> well, now you qualify for a Disney lover. even though I agree. I'm going to look into the Christmas cruise. But I do want to say one thing while we're still on this topic, because you mentioned earlier when you went to the Disney Institute that we talked that they refer to it as the cast. I don't I don't one of you mentioned that. And I want to make sure that we just just focus back on that because we're not saying that people should be faking it or acting. What we're saying is that we should thoughtfully craft the experience for the buyer. And I just want to make sure we touch on that because there's no there's no faking or acting. It's really um purposely making it that special experience. Yeah, when they when they allude to the cast, it's like that it's a whole show from start to finish. Right. And that's one of the cast members. And then they prepare those cast members for the moments. One of the questions that they get trained on at Disney is because they have found everybody asks the same question. Is that not true in the building company? Everybody asks the same question. And at Disney, this is the question people ask. What time is the three o'clock parade? <laughs> so someone they're trained to say not duh three o'clock that so where would you like to be standing when the three o'clock parade comes you have just about enough time if you want to grab something neat to come back that it starts there they can answer it any way they want to help them to understand how much time they have left and what they can do before it starts and where it begins but not answer three o'clock Wow. I just think that that learning I don't that, know if I would have the self-restraint, to be honest. <laughs> you wouldn't, because I've sat with you and I know what you're I'd be like, really? <laughs> you know, that's it's really interesting because if you break that question down, and this is where having a better understanding of what someone actually means and maybe digging a little deeper than just taking the first question on the right. surface as the end-all, be-all question. Because when they say, <clears throat> excuse me, when they say, when, where is the three o'clock or what time is the three o'clock parade? I think they know what, that it starts at three o'clock. I think the deeper question is, where will it be when I'm here? Like, where do I need to be in this general vicinity at what time in order to catch the a parade that starts at yeah. three o'clock? And it was research. Right. That they figured out, we most commonly get asked that question. Every department in a building company has the most commonly asked objection slash question. If they all knew that, if they all got together and decided as a cast, we're going to treat our guests with answering that question as thoughtfully as we can, that alone would help the, the buying cycle, the experience. Oh yeah, for sure. And, and making it, when you make it an enjoyable experience, then then it's going to shortening the sales cycle is going to be a byproduct of making it an enjoyable process bingo all of these little things you can't get in a room and say we need to shorten our sales cycle and buying time like when they try and do lean the construction the building time and they figure all that out with us they're working with materials right mm -hmm. we're working with people 
how do you shorten that? It's having a heightened awareness to all those things that happen along the way. How do you get to the parade? You know, all of those kinds of things. It will just happen as a byproduct, like you said, if you follow the steps, go back to what Molly said, it should be internal and external. You know, if we laid these out and went back over this and said, it's this and this and this, and this is the secret sauce to shortening the sales and buying cycle, it would be really easy for builders and sales teams to adhere to it. Yeah. And, and if you're listening, well, you are listening if you're listening to me talk, but <laughs> while you're listening and you're thinking yeah. and you're thinking, well, what in the hell, why is that? Why are we talking so much about the Disney? But if you, the experience and Nordstrom, but if you think about what that is though, it's talking about Disney specifically, it is so expensive to go. It's expensive to go to the park. It was the most expensive vacation we ever took on the Disney cruise. I'm embarrassed. I'm not even going to say how much it cost. <laughs> Uh, because it, but I was incredibly grumpy going till I, until I got there. Right. Because I was like, this is just too much. This is ridiculous. But then Goofy was there. When the and then Goofy was there and it all went away. <laughs> now here, two, two things to that. So now I become like the big kid on the boat. I'm not a selfie, take a selfie person, but I have pictures with me just me with all the characters doing selfies, like literal selfies. That's amazing. All... You're going to have to post that. You're yeah. going to have to post that with this. Did you buy the goofy hat? No, no, but I did get a picture, a selfie with uh, the Captain Mickey. So in Ooh. the sailor suit and the whole nine yeah. yards, that was awesome. Uh, but the whole, the whole thing is it's such an, people save up sometimes their whole life to be able to take their family and it's not a vacation. It's they want to go have an experience and they save up their whole life to maybe go do this one time in their life because that they know that their family's going to remember it for the rest of their lives. What about buying a house? <laughs> I have a question for you. Yep. Molly, you can answer this too. How do you know when an experience has been good, fun, great, memorable? How do you know you and your family? the way you feel okay matt yeah it's the way you feel it's the way you talk about it after it's all over and for how long you talk about it that's right that's what i believe an experience is as you both know because you know my girls they're 39 and 40 we still talk on an ongoing basis something comes up about that Disney cruise or a Disney trip. So that has lasted that when they say it's memories for a lifetime, they they're doing that. So my point to everybody that's listening to us is, are you giving them the right experience at the right point and the bite-sized pieces that people will talk about it forever? Not just how I love my home, how I love how I felt when my home was being built. You just sold me on a Disney cruise and I have to tell you, you could, I would never have thought that I would go on a Disney cruise, but I'm telling you, I'm going to go look it up right now. So <laughs> I, I know how, uh, how much you do for the builders you work with, but, um, you just demonstrated your sales ability right there. <laughs> <laughs> Can I come? Yes. Oh, that would be fun. Let's do an industry Disney cruise. Oh. Who's in, who wants to go? It's called a tax deduction. That would be so fun. I'm so in. 
But you know what? To our point, some of the stuff as we're talking about, whether it's Nordstrom's or it's Disney or whoever it is, is that it's modeling best practices. And Matt, you and Molly and I definitely drink that Kool-Aid that we follow best practices. That's like our book, Molly, that new home sales, you know, best practices with a little help from my friends. Don't come to me and ask for all of the marketing help in the world. I know what you guys know that you teach me. I'm not innovative on the new things because that's what you do, but you know what to come to me for. So don't fix what's not broken. Emulate best practices. Well, I, I can't think of a better way to put a bow on that conversation than <laughs> that end statement right there as we talk about, you know, wrapping it all up with the Disney experience. And essentially, if you want to shorten the sales cycle, make it a really good experience. Create that dance floor. Make sure that you're not hard to do business with and then let your people be the experts in what they're the experts in and everything else will fall right into place. Perfect. Love it. <laughs> awesome. All right, Carrie, that was so much fun. Always, always fun and entertaining all at the same time. I didn't dance on the table yet. <laughs> oh, boy. Oh, geez. We're going to have to stop recording before that happens. We're going to do that at the Builder Show. Okay, right. got it. I'm good. I'll practice. <laughs> awesome. Well, thank you so much for coming on the show, Carrie. It was a pleasure having you, and we always have fun chatting. We can't wait to have you back. I love you guys. Go group two. I'm a groupie. Oh, I I'm it. a groupie too. <laughs> fun, fun. All right. Thanks, Carrie. You have a great week. Thank you. Bye, guys. so much, Carrie. We love chatting with you. It's always so much fun and we never know where the conversation's going to go. Um, it's always great visiting with you. Absolutely. So much fun. Thanks again, Carrie. So, all right, guys, well, that is going to do it for us this week. Thank you guys so much for joining us on another episode of Building Perspective. Just remember, join in on the conversation with us on our Facebook group, Building Perspective, where you can ask questions and chat with tons of other smart people in our industry all from different places in the country. It's been fun building perspective together and we will talk with you soon. Have a great week. Mm -hmm.